0: You're listening to Raw and Real, a podcast for everyone dealing with loss. Join your host, Linda Piazza, as she and her guests share their experiences, knowledge, and heart when dealing with the tough topics of loss along life's journey. Our goal, whether you're dealing with a loss of a relationship, loss of health, loss of life, or loss of self, is to invite you to the table for our weekly conversation and provide some comfort in knowing that you're not alone in your grief now here's your host linda piazza hello and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of raw and real podcast i am your host linda piazza and this week's episode is a continuation of last week's conversation about memories this week i will be sharing with you some memories about the people in my life that i have lost thanks so much for joining so let's talk about memories I believe very strongly that in order to go through the grieving process and come out on the other end, one of the things that you need to do and you need to carry through the rest of your life is the memories of the loved one that you lost. It is really difficult when you lose somebody and they're no longer there and you feel that emptiness, you feel that void, you feel that pull of your heartstrings because you're not going to see them again until you die if you have faith and you believe and you know that you're going to meet them again and see them again. I honestly don't know how somebody can get through a death without faith because I can't even imagine with all of the losses I've experienced in my life that if I didn't believe and have faith and know that I was going to see them again. I don't know that I... (laughs) would be able to function. So I'm grateful for my faith. I'm grateful that I believe that there is a hereafter, and I am grateful that I know that I will be reunited and I will see them all again someday. In the meantime, in order for me to cope, in order for me to grieve, in order for me to move forward, in order for me to keep their memories alive, I talk about all of the people in my life that I have lost, that have passed away, and it's a large number of people. And I can go back to when I was you know, four or five years old. We come from an extremely big family. There are nine kids in my immediate family. I have four children. My mother is one of 13. My dad is one of six. So as you can imagine, growing up, there were just a ton of people, lots of cousins, lots of aunts, lots of uncles. And we just had great time growing up and we all grew up close, we all grew up near each other. Unfortunately, today, everybody lives in separate places. So it's not as, I don't know, I don't think things are as family oriented as they used to be. But one thing that I survive on, one thing that I am able to move forward with is the memories I have of all of the people that I have lost that I love dearly that are no longer with me, so I can go through this whole list of people from when I was four years old. But in the past, since since 1998, there have been a lot of significant losses in my life that have really changed me, changed who I am, and have made me a completely different person. Not saying it's good, not saying it's bad, but with each loss, something altered, something shifted in me because those people were such an important part of my life. You know, Dick Ravino was my dad away from home. I moved to Texas and he was a gentleman that was from my church and I worked at the bank at the time and Dick used to come in every day and get coffee and donuts because the bank that I worked at always had coffee and donuts and he's from Long Island and I think that is why we connected because I connect very quickly and very easily with people from the north he would he would come in, he would talk we would tell stories, he'd tell me about his kids and tell him about my kids and we just grew and had a lovely lovely relationship and a lovely friendship and we became very close he would invite me and my kids to pancake or breakfast at our church and he would pay for it. And he would come in. I took a job after the bank and I was working for the church and I worked there for three years. And he would come in all the time and come and see me and tell me stories and stuff and check and see how I was. And he was just a very important part of my life. And I grew to love him dearly. And he was like a dad to me. Since my dad wasn't here, I always considered Dick my, my Texas dad. And so he died in 1999. And I was just absolutely devastated. I remember him coming in, it was my 40th birthday, actually. So it was 19. I guess he died in 1998 because the picture I have in January, he died in April of 98. I'm sorry. That was uh, 1998. He died. And I remember him coming in one day to talk to me and he was really weak and really, really did not look good. And I can tell he was not feeling well. And so I just kind of skipped out and him and I went into like this little area of our office to talk and he broke down and it was so hard for me to, to see this man that I had so much love and respect for. And he was, he was scared. He had fear around what was going on and he knew he was going to die. And he proceeded to tell me how much he loved his family and how much he loved his children and his wife and how sad he was to have to leave them. And he was emotional and tears as I was as well. And I was honored and I was, very blessed that he chose to come and have that conversation with me. I don't know if he had that conversation with others, but he had this law, this, this urge to come and talk to me, to let me know how important they all were. And of course, let me know how important I was to him. And so that dear man touched my life and his death was extremely difficult. And I, to this day, and this is going back to 1998, so it was quite some time ago, I miss him every day. I've got a picture of him and I on my da- my dresser, and I think of him every day. And I am grateful that God put him in my life because he was, he was, he was a godsend. 1999, I lost my father-in-law. He got cancer, and he was a wonderful man. I grew to love him dearly and to, I have a high, high regard and high respect for him. And he, I remember having a conversation with him on the phone because they lived in Arizona and I was in Texas. Um, I was divorced from my ex-husband at the time, but his family has always been lovely in kind in making sure that they knew that we were still a part of the family and they've never treated me any differently. And so when dad got sick, Laura called me to tell me what was going on. And at the end, you know, I, I went out to visit, brought the kids. We did Thanksgiving with them and and things like that. Um, and I would talk to him on the phone quite a bit. And the last conversation I remember having with him before he passed away was I was at a friend's house that I was living in because I had flooded my house and uh that was pretty bad. But anyway, I remember I remember the conversation. I remember where I was, I remember what I was wearing. I remember everything vividly, vividly on um, that last conversation that I had with him. And I remember asking him, I said, Dad, are you afraid? And he said, nah, I'm I'm not. I'm good. And I said, well, good. I'm I'm glad because this is it's hard for us. And he said that's what hurt him, was leaving all of us behind and, and knowing how hard it was going to be. And then he said, when I get to heaven, there's three things I'm going to ask God. And I want to know as soon as I get there. And I said, really, what is it? And he said, I'm going to ask him about the candle. I'm going to ask him about the birthday cake. And I'm going to ask him about this overlook thing. And we laughed so hard because I brought into the family some very strange traditions. And so when we were growing up, we were Catholic Italian family. There is this thing called the overlook. And there's a prayer that you say if somebody has a really bad headache, you say this prayer. They wipe their face up nine times and the headache goes away. And one time I was at his house and we were there for the weekend. They lived in Dallas at the time. And my daughter, Jordan, she was a, a newborn, she was little. And she just screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed. And we did not know what was wrong with her. So I picked up the phone and I called my mom and I said, can you please do the overlook? I don't know what's wrong with this baby. And so she did. I washed her face upward nine times. And my mother called me back and she said, she's overlooked really bad. Go ahead and get a pan of water and throw it out over whatever. And she said, you know, wash your face and I'll do the overlook again. Well, within minutes, my daughter stopped screaming, and my father-in-law just kind of looked at me, and he said, I don't know what she did, but I'm going to believe it, because I mean, you know, he had a a screaming baby, and then she automatically stopped crying. And then on the birthday cake, every year, we would celebrate everybody's birthdays, and the way we do it is whoever cuts the cake, whoever's birthday is, they cut the cake, but they don't take the knife out of the cake. Do not take the knife out of the cake. Whoever's birthday's next, they're the ones that takes the knife out of the cake. And I was like really a crazy person about it when we were there. And their family and that they ended up taking on that tradition of don't take the knife out of the cake. And then lighting candles and lighting candles is a big deal. So When he got sick, of course, I called my mother and asked her to light a candle and she would always light a candle in front of the holy family. And if the flame on the candle was really good, then whatever our request or our our intentions were, whatever we were praying for, she would call and say, it looks like everything's gonna be fine and they're gonna get better or, or whatever it was. And so somebody, something would happen and I would say, oh, we need to light a candle. So he All of that was pretty comical. I brought it into the family. And, you know, so he said when he got there, he was going to ask God about those things. And uh, we laughed about it. And it was probably, it warmed my heart that he took those on. And whether he believed in it or not, he humored me. And we did that stuff whenever I was around. And I had some great conversations with him through the years. And he was. Hmm. He was a great guy and taken way too soon, way too soon, but I love remembering him. And I love telling my kids about him because they were young when he passed away. They, They knew him and they were old enough to remember him, but they didn't, they don't know a whole bunch about him. So I, I like telling stories about him and things that we used to do. And he used to give me a hard time on some stuff, but um, he was an amazing man and he is loved in this dearly. And then Nina, anybody who knows me knows Nina. And, uh, she was, she was an incredible, incredible person. She was my dearest, dearest friend and we lost her in 2003 and that was a tough one. She was 36 years old and she was, had an 18 month old baby and a eight year old at home when she passed away and she had cancer. And I can tell stories about Nina and the things that we did. And I smile and laugh so hard because I met her. I was selling cars at the time. And I was at the dealership. And it was really a quiet night. And it was towards the end of the night. And this girl comes walking in with this guy. And I walked up front and asked him if I can help them. And she said she was there to see her at Oshman and i said okay and i went in to get him and he came out and apparently somebody had referred her to our dealership and all of a sudden all the guys in there see her and she was absolutely drop dead gorgeous and they all saw her and everybody wanted to help her and so her trying to spare her of all of those crazy men asked me if i could help her and so i said yes and so she you know told me what she was looking for and she wanted a white mustang with gray seats, and she had very specific instructions and very specific things that she wanted on this car. So I went ahead, went in, told him what it was that she wanted, and he said, well, we don't have that one, but we have this one, and it had tan seats, and she did not want tan seats. So I come back in, and I tell her, this is what we have, and she says, no, that's not what I want. This is what I want. So I went in and told him and he came and said, you can't close the door. I'm going in there. And he comes in there and tries to talk her into buying this car that she did not want. And she turned around very gracefully and she looked at him and she said, I want a white Mustang with gray charcoal interior, five speed. And she went on with what she wanted. And she says, and I'm not going to settle. I always get what I want and stopped him dead in his tracks and immediately I was like this girl's gonna be my best friend (laughs) because she was very emphatic and she knew what she wanted and she wasn't gonna budge and I just thought it was the greatest thing and we became friends from that moment on and of course all the guys in the dealership wanted to date her because she was single at the time with with Preston And um, we just became friends and we started going and having dinner and drinks and went through a lot of life together. And I miss her all the time. And I I love telling stories about her. Her son was 18 months old. So whenever I see Parker, I tell him things because he didn't know his mom and it helps him get an idea of who she was. And so I think the memories are important. And I think the things that we talk about for our loved ones that we lost are extremely important. And then there was Ruby Jewel, my sweet, sweet Ruby. Ruby, I met through her son, Tim, and she passed away in 2005. Nina was 2003 and Ruby was 2005. And Ruby was like dick. Ruby was my mom, my Texas mom, and we became extremely close and we saw each other every week and we did things together all the time and we celebrated birthdays and holidays and I'd spend a lot of time at her house and she would come to my house and we were together on weekends and that woman was incredible. You never wondered where you stood with Ruby. Ruby told you what you thought. And she lets you know how she feel. And she had some of the craziest sayings. You would look at her and you're like, what are you talking about? But she was a gentle soul, beautiful woman, just, just a role model. She loved her son just endlessly, unconditionally. And she was lovely, beautiful, funny But you knew if Ruby liked you, she, Ruby kind of was a little bit like me. If she liked you, you knew it. And if she didn't, you knew that too. There was kind of no in between with her. And I had a lot of respect for her. We had a party at the house one day and I made spaghetti and everybody was there. There was a lot of people there. And I remember cleaning up after everybody left and I threw, I want to say it was the spaghetti down the garbage disposal No, I I think it was the salad, but I I threw it down the garbage disposal and I turned the garbage disposal on. And of course I broke it because I had too much stuff down in there. And we, her and I just looked at each other and laughed and laughed and laughed because I'm trying to help. I'm staying. Everybody left and I'm like, I'm going to stay and I'm going to help her. And instead of helping her, I broke her garbage disposal. But anyway, I miss her every day as well. I think of her often. My kids all knew who she was because she came to all the events and all the things that we had. And she was my Texas mom. And I love telling stories about her because she was just such a huge presence. When she walked in a room, you stopped and everybody knew she was there. And then in 2005, or 2007, we lost Ada. And Ada was my little Cuban friend who was crazier than all get out. And I met Ada through my business, real estate business, and she was a title rep. And a friend of mine, Letty, was going to lunch with them and she didn't want to go by herself. Were, her and Priscilla were taking Letty to lunch and Letty insisted that I go with her because she wouldn't go by herself. And so I did. And that was when I met her and she and I became instant friends. And she was saying she was late because she had some medication to take. And I asked her what she was taking. And everybody was like looking at me like they couldn't believe I asked. But if you tell me you're taking medication, I'm going to ask. And then she told me what she was taking. And immediately I said, do you have cancer? Because some of the medication she was taking was the same medication that Nina took, CPT-11 and Zalota. And she kind of looked at me and then we had a four-hour lunch and talked and talked and talked. And we became again, her and I became instant friends. We did holidays together, our kids became really good friends, her sister and I became friends, her mom, and we just did a lot together. And Ada had some stories and Ada was a crazy, crazy person. But she was so much fun. And she had so much love in her heart. And she, she could switch it on a dime. You would be in her office and she would be going on about something and the phone would ring and she would just totally turn it on and be just the sweetest, most professional person in the world. And we would just sit there and laugh because you couldn't I couldn't believe how quickly she can turn it off and on. But she would tell us stories of things that she did. I remember one Thanksgiving, she was at my house, and one of my daughter's friends, Stephen, was at the house, and we were telling stories. And the stories, when you talk about Ada and her stories, I mean to tell you, you're peeing your pants, basically. And Stephen got up to leave, and at the front door, he said, to Jordan, is, is your mom's friend okay? She's kind of crazy. And Jordan came back and she said, no, that's just Ada. And then she told us, and we just laughed for hours about it. Because if you hear some of her stories, your eyebrows raise a little bit. But if you knew her and you knew her well, I mean, on Sundays, her and I would drop the kids off at Sunday school and we would go and meet at Babbins and we would drink pina coladas until Sunday school was done. Probably not the best example for our kids, but it was a lot of fun. So every time I see a pina colada or I have one, I think of her. And then in 2010 is when I lost my mom. And, uh, wow, there's, you can talk about stories about your parents, right? Lost my mom in 2010 and then lost my dad in uh, 2014. Yeah, because it's been six years and then my sister in 2019. So you take all three of them and you take the memories of them and the things that they did. And, you know, just a big joke with my mom is when she couldn't sleep at night, she would go grab a teapot and we had a gas stove, but it was one of those, you know, electric ones. And so she'd get up in the middle of the night and you'd hear click, 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 click. And then the stove would go on and she would bang that teapot on top of it. And then she would start talking and yelling and banging pots and pans. And that's just kind of, one of those memories that we have and we all talk about all of the time because she would just, we don't even know who she was talking to because there was nobody in the kitchen, although she woke us all up. But you know, my mom was a incredible woman. She had nine kids and I think she should have been in the loony bin to raise nine kids. That's a lot of kids to raise, but she had the most giving heart and we saw her legacy come to life on the day that we had the visitations because the line was literally out the door of the church. There were over a thousand people who attended. And the stories that we were told about my mom when she passed away was just incredible and things that we did not know about her. It's funny how you find out things about people after they passed. And the memories that people were sharing with us. And that was real important for them for part of their healing and letting us know how they knew her. And she was an incredible lady, incredible faith, strong faith, strong, strong faith. And she loved her family and she took care of us and she was so, did it so selflessly. And she... (laughs) was a saint to put up with my dad. I loved my dad to pieces, but what a pain in the behind he became after she passed away. We realized after she died what a pain in the neck he was, because he was very needy, and we didn't realize how needy he was, and all the stuff that she did for him. You know, he couldn't even open up a can of pork and beans, because she always did it. You know, she had breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the table, and took care of him in his laundry, and now that I think about it, at the time, it was devastating, but now it's kind of comical, thinking back to how he was trying to survive after she died. And, you know, he lived four years after she passed away. So she took care of us. She took care of us. She took care of him. She took care of the house. She took care of people. She had a amazing faith and amazing love for God. And and it was, it was incredible. And uh, my dad, well, you know, he was a bowler. He was a hunter. He was uh, very talented. He, he wrote. He could draw. He liked to fish. And he liked to Bet on the horses. And uh, him and my sister Diane used to go to the casino all the time. My mom used to go to the casino, and and whoever won, they would give each other a little bit. But that was one of the things that the three of them used to do all the time. There was a casino back home, and there still is. And they used to all go to the casino together. And then Diane got involved in the St. Joseph Day dinner, and she got involved in the St. Rosalia with my dad. And, you know, she did a lot of stuff with my parents. Diane and my parents were extremely close. Um, Diane had a flower shop and my parents for years and years and years go down there every year and help her and work it for her and work it with her if she had errands to run or whatever they would they would they would be there and do stuff for her and anyway they had a great relationship and I think about it and it makes a whole lot of sense that she was the first one to reunite with them because of the relationship she had with them. We were all close to my parents. Diane had a different relationship. I think she had more of a friendship with my parents than a parent daughter relationship. Maybe, I don't know, but they enjoyed each other. And they enjoyed doing things together. And they had fun and a lot of laughs. And we all went to Europe together. And that was like the Griswolds, trust me, it was insane. But Diane stuck in there with my parents when Jennifer and I went to Scotland and Diane stayed back because my parents didn't want to come. And so she stayed back with them and she went and played bingo. But they were my parents. you know, my dad was a really tough Person, not a big guy, but he was really tough. And I remember, you know, he got diagnosed with cancer, and it was November, and it was the uh, parade for the Veterans uh, Day parade. And and he had bone cancer, so he the pain was quite significant. And he marched in that band and he played in that band. And that was the last time he played because then he kind of went downhill and and he died in March. And I was blessed to have been home at that time because um, we threw him an 80th birthday party. So I flew it to New York for that. And during that time was around when they they had the, the parade. And I was blessed enough to be there for the last time that he played. In the band. So without these memories and without these stories and without the things that I hold near and dear to my heart, if I don't talk about them, if I don't share them, then a little piece of them dies every day. And I want to keep their memory alive. I want to keep them alive. I want people to know about them. I want people to know how incredible they all were. I want people to know that they lived and they existed because sometimes some people who didn't know me back then didn't know about some of these people my godmother she was annie lane she was amazing she was my confidant when i was growing up she passed away in the 90s i don't remember what year annie lane died but i i worked with her at the bank i used to work for with jimmy As a matter of fact, her husband at the flower, he had a flower store in North Utica, and I remember working for him for a summer and I loved it. It was wonderful. And when I got married, he did the flowers for my wedding, and they were just, uh, we grew, I mean, from the day, obviously, she was my godmother. So all of my life, and I looked up to her because she was a very liberated, independent woman when it wasn't popular to be that. She had a job and she worked and she was high up in the bank. And I always wanted to be like her. And if I had a problem or something was wrong, I would always know that I can call Amy Lane and talk to her and she would be sensible and she would be calm and we can have a really good conversation. My favorite memories are just sitting at the kitchen table with her, sharing a cup of coffee and talking. And I just, I adored her. I miss her. And I'm grateful that she was chosen to be my godmother. So anyway, if you have stories, you have memories, share them with people, let them know about the people that you loved and keep them alive. You know, my grandchildren never met my parents, but uh, Sydney will insist that she knew my dad and she insists that she knows my dad because I've told her about him like since the day she was born we've talked about him and she did when she was a baby he he was alive she was born in january he died in march so we have some videos because we would skype him and my daughter was brilliant and she would videotape them so sydney looks back at them and sydney sydney will tell me i knew grandpa i i know him and she knows him because of the stories that i tell And I've built a memory for her by telling these stories. So if you have family members, you have people that do not, they're no longer here, but you want your family to know who they were, keep talking about them, keep telling them stories. So in their mind, they are building memories and they have a connection or a relationship With them, even though they're gone. So share your pictures, share share your memories, share your stories. Keep those loved ones that you have lost. Keep them alive. Tell people about them because people do want to know because who they were and how they touched your life is made you who you are. So share your stories and share your memories and share those pictures and keep your loved ones alive in spirit and in your heart. So normally I do a segment called Getting the Call, and I've decided to omit it this week because I want everybody to really focus on some positive stuff about the people that they've lost in their lives. So I'm hoping that you take away some really good, positive thoughts and feelings from this week's episode of Raw and Real Podcast, that while you're sitting around your dinner tables over the holidays, whether you celebrate Passover or you celebrate Easter, you are talking about the people who are not with us any longer, and you are able to laugh and smile, telling stories to your family and loved ones and children about them and who they were and things that you did when they were part of your life. I know that this is a real trying time, we're in the middle of COVID-19. Many of you may not be sitting at a table directly across from the people in your family or friends. However, I'm hoping that most of you will be spending some time over Zoom calls or Skype calls or Facebook messenger or whatever technology you're using today to go ahead and see the people you love that you are distanced from. And, share those memories and share those things about the people that you miss. And you might be sharing memories with each other because they may have memories they wanna talk about as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Ron Real Podcast. Make sure if you are interested in joining our private Facebook group that you reach out and you let me know. Our goal is to build a community where we all have a voice at the table and feel supported and loved no matter where we are in our journey managing through our losses. As always, we love your feedback and we'd like to hear some more ideas for future episodes. If there's anything you need, please reach out. I know these are difficult and trying times when you're going through grief and loss, especially during something like this. It's a lot more challenging. And I just want y'all to know that I am here. If you need anything, please reach out. Thanks so much for joining this week's episode of Raw and Real. Thanks for joining us this week for another episode of Raw and Real. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app so you get notification of all new episodes.